0: This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by Springer Nature. It's the official journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. Genetic sequencing has been used to facilitate the diagnosis of a great number of diseases in recent years. That said, clinicians haven't been able to use existing techniques to diagnose all genetically based conditions. For children who show up at clinics with unknown and rare genetic diseases, only about 30% end up with a diagnosis.
1: So, a vast proportion of all the kids that are getting exome sequencing, we don't get a clear genetic solution from, even though we're doing a genome wide approach and we're searching through all the protein coding. Sequence of the genome. So we're clearly missing
0: a lot. That's Stanley Nelson, professor of human genetics at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. He's one of the authors of a recent study in the journal Genetics and Medicine. And as Dr. Nelson said, the most common approach to untargeted genetic testing currently only examines the protein coding sequence of the genome known as the exome. We've been
1: looking there because that's where most known disease causing mutations reside. But when we don't find it there, What can we offer next? What can we do next? How can we explore the genome more effectively?
0: Whole genome sequencing takes an even closer look at the genome and can identify deletions and duplications more sensitively. Dr. Nelson says within the Undiagnosed Diseases Network, which is a group of NIH-funded sites trying to solve rare genetic diseases, this technique has led to another 10% or so of diagnoses. Now, he says, the next step is RNA sequencing.
1: And that's the novelty of this uh, paper that we're trying to push for improving diagnostic rates. So a, for instance, would be if one had a de novo or a new mutation in a critically important gene, but it's in an intronic sequence and it's far away from an exon border, could that de novo mutation be disrupting the RNA reading frame and completely breaking the ability to make a normal protein. Absolutely.
0: That's the theory. But we all have intronic mutations that do nothing to change our RNA and thus the protein sequence. So, he said, the challenge in the work described in the paper was to determine whether and when an intronic sequence gets fully incorporated into RNA, and then, though it shouldn't behave like an exon, it is indeed used like an exon to make a protein, in this case, an incorrect one. Scientists have known that while the vast majority of disease-causing mutations occur in the protein coding part of the genome, the introns can and do play a role.
1: What we're able to do now, though, is we're able to very efficiently do whole genome sequencing. We're able to very efficiently look at the entire transcriptome. And now what we're showing in this paper is we can intersect those two bits of data to more powerfully interpret all of the intronic sequence and some of the promoter sequence uh, of an individual's genome that we couldn't see before.
0: For this study, the team narrowed in on 48 cases, children with an undiagnosed disease who had RNA sequencing and whole genome sequencing, and for whom protein coding variants couldn't solve the diagnosis. And they were able to solve an additional 25% of the cases.
1: So what we've done in this, in this paper was we did whole genome sequencing so we can find the DNA mutation. But many of those DNA mutations are impossible To determine did they cause any consequence to a protein coding sequence until we overlaid what the RNA sequence was. So instead of looking at one gene at a time, we looked at every single gene that was being expressed all at once, and then we intersected the whole genome with the whole transcriptome to winnow down to one exact location that, in many of the examples that we show in the paper, have a de novo mutation that affects a specific intronic sequence that then we can prove affects the RNA sequence in a way that's equivalent mutation as other kids have in the protein coding part of the genome. We just revealed the part of the genome that that was difficult to interpret before.
0: Dr. Nelson gave two examples. So we saw one allele from dad that
1: had a different type of mutation in this rare recessive disease gene, and we found this other allele from mom So the family had two different rare recessive alleles, and we could diagnose this child with a very specific uh, form of pontocerebellar hypoplasia. So it actually revealed a completely clear, devastating neurologic condition with a molecular basis. And both alleles were now identified because we had the DNA sequence and we had the RNA sequence for its consequence. So it led to a very specific molecular diagnosis of a child that was going undiagnosed before that. Another child had a mysterious illness that was a muscular dystrophy and some His fat was not developing appropriately. He was weak. He was getting a little weaker over time. And he'd been worked up for years without adequate diagnosis. When we sequenced his muscle and actually his fibroblasts as well, we could see a small deletion from the whole genome sequencing that he did not get from either parent inside of an intron, usually those deletions inside introns do nothing because they're introns and they're spliced out. So having an intron that's not, you know, if it's 2,000 bases or 1,900 bases, it doesn't matter usually. However, in this instance, deleting that bit of sequence, which is just, you know, a, a relatively small deletion inside of an intron led to the rest of the intron being included, and that completely broke the protein. Again, completely hidden when we did exome sequencing, completely hidden if we did an interpretation of the genome and just said, did it affect in an obvious way from DNA sequencing any of the exons? None of the exons were mutated. But the consequence was at the RNA level, and we could determine it with complete precision and know exactly what the disease was.
0: He says despite the small study size, the paper proves that RNA sequencing is an important tool in diagnosing rare undiagnosed genetic diseases and that insurance companies should pay for such testing because while it's more expensive now, it may be able to shorten the diagnostic odyssey.
1: So that's just a fundamentally different shift in logic for how we as a a medical science that's impacting patients, how we should um, use these tools on patients. And it's my belief that we're at an inflection point where it will be cheaper, more efficient. There'll be much less confusion with physicians and with families, and we'll be able to give people diagnostic information back much earlier by switching to these much more comprehensive tests as step one not the end after we didn't solve it by a bunch of other genetic testing.
0: Dr. Nelson says the next steps involve educating the field about how to appropriately interpret and integrate these two types of data so that the reports back to physicians are as clear as possible. Of course, this still won't solve everything. He says a future tool could involve RNA sequencing, but then on top of that, scientists would also need to develop a tool to take blood or fibroblast cells and convert them to, say, expressed genes that are expected to be expressed in the brain. This would allow scientists to observe far more genes and thus solve even more undiagnosed Cases using RNA. Genetics and Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by Springer Nature. I'm Cynthia Graber.